So I was recently checking out a very old episode of Super Soul Sunday and Oprah read this quote that made me stop in my tracks. You see, for a long time, I knew that there was such power on the other side of a healing journey, but she was able to summarize the impact of not taking a healing journey by reading a quote that Ayala Vincent had once said. The quote went this way, you can accept or reject the way you are treated by others, but until you heal the wounds of your past, you will continue to bleed. You can bandage the bleeding with food, with alcohol, with drugs, with work, with cigarettes, with sex, but eventually it will all ooze through and stain your life. The reason why I bring this up is because I, just like many of you and many other people, have had to take a healing journey. And there is something that is signature about people who have done so. Their ability to self-reflect and to tap into wisdom with calm, peace, and intentionality is unsurpassed. This is the reason why it's real obvious when someone is still dwelling in pain, they wreak bitterness. But when you take a healing journey, there is so much power on the other side of it that you stop oozing and you ultimately heal. And so I want to encourage you today to listen to this episode because I have one of the most incredible conversations with John, and he helps us know how much power we have when we heal. Now let's get into it. For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable, and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love, and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of DeniseTaylor.Live and welcome to Embrace Your Power. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Now let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to embrace your power and go. Well, hello there. It's Denise Taylor here. You know, I am always excited to have you join me each and every week on Embrace Your Power. I always describe Thursday as treat day because that's the day you can expect a brand new episode from me. I show up on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, even show up on YouTube where you can watch. I want to get life-changing hope words and support and empowerment to you. That's the reason why this platform exists is so that I can lift voices and be an agent for change in your life. You see, this is the place where we believe that you can build a life that you love without apology. Even more than that, 
I believe that God has given you power to do it. In fact, he says in his word that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but he gave us power. And I believe that when we embrace our power, we can truly be, do, have, and achieve anything that we want. And so every week, this is the place that you can get that nudge to be all that you can be. Whatever divine inspiration God has given you, I want you to know you can be it, you can do it, you can have it, and you can achieve it. Now listen up. I know that you have been encouraged by the episodes that have been shared with you for well over a year now, but here's the thing I want you to do. I want you to take a minute and give me some feedback. Yep, I want you to do a review. And in addition to that, here's the secret thing that you should know about podcasts. The fastest way for this podcast to become referred to others is with your help. By you rating the podcast, you set it up to be a lifeline for other people. And so if you think some good things are happening here, by all means, take a couple minutes to rate and also send a review because I would love to hear from you. Now let's jump into today's topic because this one is going to light you up and set you on fire. I had such an amazing conversation with John Haynes III. We talked about so many life-changing nuggets that I know you are going to leave this discussion ready to attack a bear. We talked about a healing journey. We talked about me work. We talked about mindset and winning strategies. We talked about the executive C-suite coaching and conversations that happened there. And we talked about day-to-day things that can be done to really build a life that you love. It was so packed that it took me cutting the conversation short so that we didn't run too long. And so I don't want to hold you up, but what you need to know about John is he is the epitome of a leader's coach. He coaches from the C-suite to the community. He is a coach for change, for courage, for confidence. He is a coach that is making a difference at all levels. But most of all, he has a heart for his family. He also serves his community. And in addition to that, he loves God. And you can't go wrong with that package. He is so learned and so willing to share from his wealth of experience that I know you will be blessed. And so with that, let's jump into this amazing conversation that I had the chance to have with John. So now there are some people who show up online and they drop wisdom and insight. And John is one of those people that when I see a comment, a post, or even a reflection from him, I know it's coming from a well of wisdom. And so I am so excited like over the top excited to have John join me today. And I was sharing with him before we hit record that meeting with him is like meeting with a garden because I could tap into any fruit and he will be able to just flow with it because God has blessed him to be able to have wisdom, discernment, and a heart to serve. And so I know today is going to be a phenomenal conversation where I decided we would anchor in 
in is around transitions, wisdom, and life. And so as we unpack that, I think you all are going to discover, as I have, that John is an incredible voice for change and courage. And we're going to get into some of that today. So John, I am so excited to have you join me on Embrace Your Power. Do everyone a favor and introduce yourself and tell us about yourself, your family, and anything you would love for us to know. Denise, I um, am elated to be with you and thank you so much for this opportunity. I do not take it for granted. You are a power source Uh, in your own right here. And it's beautiful to see one, a powerful woman, a powerful leader, um, just doing her thing and uh, creating an impact and not being afraid or doing it afraid, you know, to, to make an impact. And so I just thank you for recognizing who I think God made me to be and who I'm trying to be. Uh, And then, you know, linking our superpowers together so that we can hopefully feed some people. And so uh, with that, I am John Haynes III. Family and friends call me Trey. Uh, and you know, professionally, I am a, an HR executive working for the 15th largest company in the United States, a multi-billion dollar global company. And I get to serve as a VP and HR business partner for the C-suite. And I am literally, I believe, doing what um, I dreamed of doing ever since I was a a little kid and happy to be doing that. By night, I, you know, am leadership and executive coach and business coach, and I help emerging, established, and evolutionary leaders really get to their starting lines, really find out who they are and identify all the obstacles in their way navigate those things so that they can get to helping the people that they were called and built to help as well. From a family perspective, uh, I'm one of four. I have a wife of 21 years named Gwen, who is really the star of the family. And I have a son, Miles, who is 15 years old. Miles Christian, meaning anointed soldier, uh, who is hopefully going to be uh, the best movie director and photographer that you know the globe has ever seen one day and then we live with uh, my mother in love as well who makes sure that we are taken care of daily. And so um, that is me in a nutshell and at its core and foundation and beginning. And all I wanna do is help leaders evolve, get freed up so you all and we all can converge and help the people that need to be helped. So, John, I have to tell you, uh, your by day job and your by night job have a lot in common. When you are serving leaders, you begin to see them excel when they're willing to deal with their stuff. Now, for those of us who have had life experiences and those that we have had to overcome, one of the things that I think you and I both know is that in order for you to soar, you got to be willing to let go of some pain and let go of some things that have you tethered. And so I probably can come to a 
safe conclusion that you get to do a little coaching during the day, just as much as you do coaching at night, especially when you're dealing with leaders who need to operate in their zone of genius, because that's where we're all trying to get. It's to the point where we can function in our zone of genius and rise as leaders. Do me a favor and kind of correlate that for me, what you kind of see emerging as you're coaching people to that space of their genius. You know, let me, it helps to give you some context as to how I got here a little bit. And so, um, and I'll transition and answer your question directly. So going to Hampton University initially and going to college, I majored in uh, electrical engineering. And I did that for four complete years until I discovered, bro, you're never going to be an engineer. You should stop doing this. You're going to literally die here. And so being sick, going to class, you know, feeling like I was in the wrong place, feeling like I was lost was just not the thing after four years and no degree and a lot of failure. So transitioned to Old Dominion University, started majoring in psychology with an emphasis on industrial organizational and I went back to being who I was as a kid. And that was the person to solve, the little person to solve people problems at even that young age. And I wanted to do that for business leaders. And so what I say, Denise, is that I can't tell you how a light circuit is wired, but I can tell you how people and organizations are wired. That's where my engineering comes into place. And so my whole objective is for you to be one leader, whoever you are in workplace, life, community, for you to be one leader. But there are just a few things that um, are obstacles to you becoming one leader. One is fear. And fear is a monster. Uh, it's sneaky. It's unpredictable. It can attack at any time. And so my job is to help you identify the fear and see yourself coming so that you can circumvent the fear. Another thing is just lack of self-worth and value. And I just talked to several leaders about value yesterday. So many times we dig into the workplace, we dig into our communities and we are so bent on doing things for others that we lack the time or we don't take the time for ourselves. And so we go years and years and years and projects after project after project and venture after venture missing ourselves. And we're serving people thinking that we're serving our ultimate goal when we're far, we're as far away from it as the East is from the West. So my, my job also is to help you value yourself so that you will get to the right position. The other thing that, uh, you know, I help deal with is whatever happened to you, reframing that so that you know it happened for you. No matter what it is, it happened for you. And when you can reframe and know that that thing that happened to you actually happened for you, you can see the hurt, the pain, the trauma differently and know that it's no longer a void in your foundation, but actually a brick in your foundation that you can leap off of and leap into where you need to be. So those are some of the, the issues that I deal with and that I see every day, whether it be me coaching an executive or a C-suite leader or me coaching someone in the community or a personal client. Yeah, I can relate to so much of what you talked about. And what I have discovered in the last few years of when, of a time when I was willing to do some me work, right? Because 
It takes a lot. You're right. We busy ourselves in a way that takes the attention off of us. But when you take a pause and you're willing to look in the mirror and recognize that you have some work to do with all of your successes, you have achievements, you have marks, you have become a great person of hiding in plain sight. I found that when I was willing to do the me work and really, like you said, change the narrative of it all, I discovered that it wasn't weakness underneath all of that. That's where my power was. That's where I began to really realize my strength. And that's such a huge misconception. We think if we take the journey to unpack the pain, to begin to reckon with the things that we're embarrassing to, embarrassed to talk about or don't want anybody to know, that underneath that will be marks of weaknesses. But I discovered that when I let go of all of that, I really found my power. How have you seen that with those that you've talked about? So I believe firmly that there is strength in vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And it's very much like discovering the kryptonite to a Superman. Mm -hmm. You know, once, once you understand that kryptonite is his weakness, he becomes a more full person. He becomes a more full entity. And that's the same with any other leader. Once you identify, discover, and embrace those vulnerabilities, you become infinitely more powerful. And what you call me work, I call mirror work. Mm -hmm. And until we're able to do that mirror work, we cannot see anything else or anyone else clearly. Mm -hmm. And so we're always sub-optimizing and operating on less than full strength because we won't take an honest look at ourselves. And so part of my work, uh, part of my coaching in, in the workplace, as well as in the community is helping identify root causes and real selves mm -hmm. and to be willing to do that work and to help you get the courage and the fearlessness to leap and do that work until you're willing to do that until we're willing to do that we're stuck mm -hmm. and and we're not built we're not meant to be stuck we're not meant to be disconnected from each other or the world, um, but we constantly let those things stand in place. And I'm attacking those things that stop us from becoming who we are called to be, who we were literally built to be. That's incredible. So listen, I was out a few weeks ago with a group of girlfriends and there was a guy who was admiring us as a group from afar. Eventually during the course of the evening, the table of six of us invited him over for dessert because we were celebrating birthday. It was within a few minutes of his dialogue that I turned to him and said, I could tell you've been on a healing journey. You see a healing journey wreaks something different. The conversation is different. The perspective is different. And that is the same inkling that I sense with you. You have been on a healing journey, which resulted in revelation that you now have applied to how you serve. Share as you prefer what that healing journey was for you. Wow. So I think the first instance I have of healing goes back to when I was five. Um, and if, if you know my family, we are major jokesters. Um, and we are not a family for the faint or weak of heart. 
And so when I was five, I started crying one day after church because my family was just talking about me. And my, my aunt pulled me on the side. I can remember it in Norfolk, Virginia. It was across the street from our old church. And she was like, Trey, when we're talking about you, we're just joking. We're just joking. Don't take it so seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. I can remember that conversation from five years old, five years old as if it happened yesterday. And that was my first instance of healing and letting me know that one, sometimes your feelings and emotions, although they may be true to me, don't tell the truth or don't tell the whole story. And there is greater perspective than just how I feel. And sometimes you have to understand the circumstances and the dynamic that's going on in, in order to really understand what's going on and the total picture. So it's not just about what I think and what I feel. And for me to heal from my feelings and emotions in a much more uh, quick manner and at the pace of life and at the pace of what God wants me to see Help me just run faster and be more available for the people that I was called to help. And so having that resetting that foundation helps with everything that I've gone through. And I can tell you, if you just fast forward 50 years and, and take, to, take into, into account that my mother passed away from pancreatic cancer just four years ago, healing from that has been tremendous. When she was diagnosed with cancer, and she fought for four and a half years, which was amazing for having pancreatic cancer. Every day, nearly every day, I ask God, what do you want people to see? What do you want your people to see? What do you want me to do? So what I try to do is heal in the middle of going through. I can't wait to the end because for me, that's too late. I see the situation. I'm trying to heal as I'm going through. And I've got all this evidence, Denise, that I can heal. And I match that evidence with my faith. And so that's the thing that I want my clients to see. That's the thing that I want, you know, everybody that I speak with to see is that you can match that evidence with your faith and, and develop a healing strategy. And that's what I use daily. That's awesome. And those are very precious moments that can either grow you or take you out. To be yeah. completely honest, there are a lot of people who do not recover from ridicule, from comments. Um, I know for myself, I had to take a journey with that. There were comments that were made, a lot of comments that were made as a child, that if you cannot get right understanding and perspective in that moment to to isolate the emotion from the definition of who you are and who you can be, it can paralyze you. And then also on the other end of your journey, which there's a big dash in the middle that had its sure. ebb and flows too, I imagine. But on the other end of that journey, really when you're facing the end of life sequence for someone that you love, where you feel powerless in the moment, yet you're trying to grow and be there and show up and stay strong for everyone around you, for them, and even for yourself, 
I firsthand understand that demand and also understand that journey. And I'll be completely honest, that is a lot of what forced me to get into the mirror from your perspective and do the me work from my perspective, because it helped me to begin to understand what was priority, what was important and how to define what I really wanted. You know, because for so long we show up and we're functioning, we're high performing, we're high achieving, but it has nothing to do with what's in your heart, how you want to serve, how you want to show up and who you are authentically. I heard you use the word vulnerability. Go deeper with that. Help me understand more about that and how it's so key to our development as well. Yeah, that vulnerability thing is some people would describe it as a weakness. Some people would describe it as a challenge. Some people would describe it as areas that you're just not operating as your full self um, and where you're not enough. Whatever phrase you use, it's it's the challenge to become greater. It's the challenge to be all that you were created to be. And there's some chinks in the armor. And for me to understand and and willingly accept and lovingly accept my vulnerabilities and not a but and constantly work on them to better them is where I want to be and really helping me understand and helping you as a leader understand that you were made this way in some instances, and that doesn't make you any less powerful because you have a vulnerability. You know, Brene Brown would say that um, men try to prevent being seen as weak and women try to achieve perfection constantly, and they expect it in each other. In each one of us, there's vulnerabilities. And when we can see our vulnerabilities, and accept them and love them and help each other deal with those vulnerabilities, we become more powerful together. And I'm trying not to just speak in high terms and in, uh, you know, just, you know, just some, I guess, regular everyday speak. These are truths that I've come to know and come to learn. There is strength and vulnerability, and we have to learn to appreciate them and love them so that we can deal with them in their proper way. Otherwise, we continue to compartmentalize them, to shut them down, and as you say, we get stuck. And that just shouldn't be an acceptable existence for us. Yeah, I was listening to something. I was watching a series yesterday called Journey Within. And it was really talking about if we don't reach the point of really dealing with our stuff, it begins to ooze out because we keep trying to put bandages on it. But it starts oozing out and it shows up in behaviors and habits that are not authentic to who we are. But there's something that we do as a distraction, whether it's cigarettes or drugs or alcohol or sex or all of these other things that we throw ourselves into, it starts oozing out at that when really it's the thing that we're trying to keep covered up and act as if it doesn't exist. What you tap into when you are willing to deal and face with being vulnerable is a power source that's greatly undervalued because, because, and this is one of the things that I shared recently, 
we make up all of these things that are going to fit the bill for us, right? We start describing what we want to live in, what we want to drive. We make up all of these things that'll fit the bill, but none of them actually fit until you're honest about who you are. And that's why we find no satisfaction in them. What you're challenging us to do when you're talking about being vulnerable is go deep to the core, go in there and really deal with who you genuinely are, which yeah. has nothing about nothing to do about what you own, nothing to do about what you have. It's that true essence of you. How does being transparent with ourselves and with others play a factor in that as well? Oh my gosh, you ask a beautiful question. I'm going to say this and I'm going to back up. When you at when 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 I admit my vulnerabilities and I do to every team member that I oversee, every team that I work with, every leader that I work with, I always identify my SWAT, my strengths, my weaknesses, my opportunities for success, my threats to success. And what I found as the truth Denise is that when I admit my vulnerabilities, it summons my help it summons, it summons the people that can supplement me, that can complement me, that can help me overcome and deal with my weaknesses, my challenges, my vulnerabilities. And people try to call it all different types of things. Let's not sugarcoat it. It is a weakness. It is a challenge. But the thing, the thing is, it doesn't have to stay that way. So I willingly admit who I am, authentically admit, transparently admit, because I know that even my vulnerabilities cannot stop me from becoming who God made me to be or who I am to be. So that is the truth, not my truth, the truth. So my vulnerabilities don't help me. So I don't have to hide them. So I willingly admit them so that it summons the help and that those people who are strong where I am weak can come help me, come alongside me and help me become who I'm supposed to be. That's beautiful. The honesty is what draws the attraction of them being in. But oftentimes we're so busy being fake that we can't attract what it is that we really need. We can't yeah. attract the help. And I love how um, that transparency has how you can correlate that to you being able to effectively build teams and effectively show up in places where you begin to make maximum impact. Now, I know for myself, as I took my journey, right? And I recently made a decision uh, at the Lord's leading to walk away from my position for a time, right? And in doing that, what I, the number one thing I had to wrestle with was identity. So much of who I was, was wrapped up in position, in title, in salary, in all of these things that come along with that C-suite perspective, right? Sure. And what I had to begin to realize is while I was there functioning in that capacity and functioning well, I might add, right? I wasn't on the run. That's not right. what happened. It was a decision and a choice. And while I was there functioning well, when I stepped away from it, I had to really take a look at who am I? Who That's am right. I outside of describing a title, outside of describing a company, outside of describing the size of my team, outside of describing, you know, all of these elements that we pack around the description of who we are. And what I discover is I brought the magic to that. 
right? And when I got up from the table, the magic came with me and it it helped me to really begin and settle my confidence because it wasn't those positions. It wasn't those uh, companies. It wasn't those roles and responsibilities that defined or made me. It was who I was. But so much of our identity is so mixed up with other things. How can we work on getting a better understanding of who we are as a part of our journey? There are two things that I would recommend. One, ask yourself and others what you need and what others need. Not what you want, what you need. That's one question. And the other question is, what problem was I created to solve? What problem was I created to solve? And when I was going through the storm of Hampton University, uh, electrical engineering for four complete years, failing out of school, never having to go home, but failing out of school, sick going to class, that brought me to the point of being able to look at other parts of my life to say that you're not the electrical engineer, but you are the people and organization engineer. And you have to get to a point where you're willing to look at something more than what's in front of you and look at your reason why. And so I know I discovered that I was created for more. And my job is to help you ask the questions. There's a great leader in the the Wisconsin area, Dr. Robert Piles, who said, answers broaden you, but questions deepen you. Answers broaden you, but questions deepen you. And so Part of my job as a coach is to ask great questions and to get you to question all that you have learned for the for the hope and the prayer that you might unlearn some of the things that you have learned and adopt some truth. Not your truth, because your truth is, truth is based in opinion, but adopt some truth so that you can have some stakes in the ground and go from there and not be lost anymore. And so those are two questions at least that I ask people and that I try to answer for myself daily. And when I really hunker down and focus on and answer those questions, light comes, Mm -hmm. light comes and truth comes Mm -hmm. and other thoughts come. And I think back to what was the, my Jeremiah 29, 11 moment, what plan was really crafted for me before I even got here? Everyone has one. And so my job is to get you to that and to get to that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, From two different perspectives, because I believe when you can begin answering the question of what problem you solve, what what is what strengths do you have? What capabilities, what solutions can can you bring to the table that solves a problem? I heard a saying that he who solves problems gets paid. Your prosperity is on the other end of you solving the problems that you have been designed and created to do. And the second thing I know from my own personal journey, um, really getting past pain and hurtful situations. It wasn't until I was willing to give up my life for the truth that I saw change. And what I personally had to do, and everybody's got to do it for themselves, but what I personally had to do was go back to who did the creator say that I was, right? Because in going back to that, that went back to the truth. 
who did he say that I was? And yeah. that had to uproot the lies that I had convinced myself of and that I had told myself. And I had to accept that truth. And boy, was that ever an empowering experience because I discounted myself. I played myself real small. I began to give up in ways that I was never created to give up. I was created to reign. I, I had found that I had short-circuited so many opportunities simply because I didn't understand what it was that I brought to the table. And yeah. so that's when you that's one of those moments where you look back and say, man, if I had known how great God had really created me to be, yes. if I had known then what I know now, my life would be light years different. And here's the thing. I am not an unsuccessful person. That's right. I have garnered a lot of success. The the sky is absolutely unlimited for us when we can get back to truth. And that is a powerful nugget that you bring out because many of us are operating off of lies from our experiences, from things that we've been told when the reality is the truth is something that sets us free. So real quick, I know that you recently made a transition and I did want to talk about that a little bit because I think that there is a whole different thought process that comes into play when we have to pivot and shift. So tell us a little bit about the moment when you recognize change was imminent, necessary, and something that you needed to take because your family was on the line. Everybody had to be a part of that process, be a part of that decisioning. But tell me about that experience of choosing to shift. Oh my gosh. Um, it's as if you were reading my life and, and you knew my whole life. So, so I'm glad that you are doing what you are doing because you are definitely gifted to do it. I want to take you back to um, the move from Bowie, Maryland to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so I got the opportunity. Um, my workplace asked me, you know, are you ready to relocate? And I said, let me really give it some thought. Because at this time, my mother had just passed away. And then Big Mama had passed away three months later. And so I say that to give you the notion that they had to take their promotion so that I could take my promotion. And what solidified that fact even more is this is one time in my life and in the season of my life where I had logged uh, some dreams. And fast forward, when we were doing the school visits and the, the, you know, the residence visit, visits here in, well, in Wisconsin, I said, something's nagging at me. So I looked at dreams on my phone and I found this dream that I had logged several weeks before I even got asked the question to relocate. And one of my longtime friends and the person who I ended up working for when I relocated with Johnson Controls, I had a dream about her and she said, pack your bags. It's time to relocate. And so I matched that with the death of my mother and my grandmother and saying, I know God is speaking to me that it's okay to say yes to this opportunity. So I said yes to the opportunity. I moved. I got some of the best experience 
in uh, the C-suite, in the boardroom, in you know, large-scale global projects, in serving you know, billion-dollar company leaders that I had asked for, that I had dreamed about, that I wanted, that I needed. So I knew that the opportunity matched the vision that God gave me. That's why I said yes to the move. And so when I got to this move with and this offer from Cardinal Health, I knew that it too matched who I am becoming. So I gauged the opportunities and the moves and the need to shift and move based on what the vision is for my life, which I'm very clear on, which is supporting and rebirthing and regenerating leaders. Mm -hmm. So when I have that continuity between life and spirit and faith and what's happening on the ground, I know that it's right. And I leap. That's the exercise of my faith. I have no choice but to leap. Let's go see what this has for me because I know it has something that I need. There's that word again, need. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That is actually the part probably where a lot of people stumble is the leap. Um, So many people can make connection. They can see how it fits. They can even see how it ties back to something that they articulated, they dreamt about or wanted. But in taking the leap is where fear becomes intense and it can potentially stop the motion from happening. You can train yourself to activate at times when it's necessary for you to bust a move. And it sounds like it happens so swiftly that you have done the work to train yourself to respond with action behind your faith. How did you get there? How did you get to the point? What was that training ground like for you so that when you sensed I need to move, there wasn't hesitation, there wasn't delay, There wasn't stumble and there wasn't a quit. Instead, there was a leap. How'd you get there? So I went back and recognized, you know, at one point in my life and one season in my life, all the opportunities that I had missed because I was afraid. And because that fear made me delay, that fear made me avoid, that fear made me procrastinate, that fear made me fail. Um, And I started to believe in the fear. But, you know, I came to one instance where I was out of work for 10 months. um, And, you know, I, contrary to popular opinion, I do not prefer public speaking. Like, and I am a, um, a introvert that's probably good at being an extrovert. I'm probably squarely in the middle on that. But I do it because I know I have a message to bring. And so during this time when I was out of work for 10 months, I had speaking engagements every single month, every single month. I had coaching clients every single month. I was helping boards develop. Like I was doing everything that I had dreamed of doing and that I knew that God had built me to do. And so what that made me realize is here's, here's what I live by now. Here's, here's the shift, Denise. I started saying yes before I could say no. And when I, when I adopted that philosophy, I knew I had to prepare myself for, for whatever I was fearful of. And it was the date is coming, so I, you should prepare for the date that is inevitable, that is coming. 
and you should shift your mindset to appreciate the opportunities rather than hating them or disliking them or not appreciating them. So it required a major shift for me. And it was saying yes, meaning my spirit, meaning my mind, meaning my heart, meaning my hands and feet. I'm going, I'm coming. You ask me, I'm coming. I'm saying yes before the no gets me, before the fear gets me, because I know if I pause, if I delay, if I procrastinate, I'm more likely to give in to the fear. So that was the shift that I made. And I just go ahead and leap because I realized through all of the evidence of my life that I have lived through every leap that I have taken. And so I just got too much evidence to not say yes. That is so good. It's a very simple practice, especially if you see yourself. I hate to say it this way, but if you see yourself punking out, that's an old term. If you see yourself having that that tendency to just wimp out in the moment, um, it's usually followed by a huge amount of regret when it is something that you know you should have done, but you didn't do. And there is nothing more tormenting than regret. But if you have that bias, that is absolutely a powerful way to train yourself so that you can create the habit, the discipline to go for it. And I'm a huge believer in that. Around these parts, we believe that we can build a life that we love. I believe our love for whatever it is will come divinely. I think God will inspire us and give us assignments and and, and it will align with our purpose. But I believe we can build a life that we love. What I love about what you're doing is when you talked about what it was that was a driving force behind saying yes, it went back to what you understood as the purpose of why why you were here. You are here to train, coach, engage, sharpen the iron of leaders, leaders who are set to lead, whether it's in community, who are set to lead, whether it's in corporation, leaders who are set to lead, even in family. And that's a beautiful perspective because once you can connect the dots with that, it has to be a yes from you. There has to be a leap that follows because you've trained yourself to do that. That's so beautiful. Now, when we come back from the break, I want to go deeper into success and the winning mindset. Like how do we begin to cultivate that? So we'll be back in just a bit. Now, if you follow me on social media, then you know I talk a lot about mentoring. In fact, you probably have seen my posts where I have this shameless plug of saying, I want to be your mentor officially. And what that means is I know that I share a lot of things that help you be inspired and maybe even empowered. And I believe that if you come closer to your answers, your life can truly light up and you can experience more success. I introduced the Power Play program, and I am so excited to be expanding the services that are now being offered in addition to my 60-day program. The Master Mentor Membership is focused on sustaining success. You see, my goal always has been to encourage you and help you build a life that you love. I believe that you can have a life that is successful in every way important to you. 
With the right strategies, you can have it all. And I would love to be a part of your success journey. Now, as a high achieving professional woman myself, I know that one of the biggest challenges we face is warring against pressure to settle and maybe even give up. I believe that we can pursue happiness in our own way without compromise. We don't have to settle. I believe that there is a harmonious place where we can thrive and have it all. And I am on a mission to help you be as successful as you dream. If you know that you have secretly wanted more, but yet you've been hiding in plain sight and you want that ongoing support to help you navigate through, this program is packed with everything that is necessary for sustaining success. Now, by joining the membership program, I am officially your mentor. I am there to empower you, encourage you, guide you, and give you the support that is necessary to ensure long-term success. Now let's get back into it. Now that we're back, I want to go deeper into talking about success and a winning mindset. So let's just start off with you telling me from your perspective, what are your thoughts and how would you define success? Wow. Success is me fulfilling um, my calling. Success is me fulfilling my purpose. Success, which I know is helping leaders uh, evolve and identify themselves and get to their starting lines of the places where they're supposed to be. As long as I am doing that, I count it success. As long as I am fully utilizing my faith I, I call that a success. As long as I am being obedient to God and serving my family and my community and people and solving the problem that I know I'm created to solve, I count that as success. It is really not about the position or the role, um, whether it's mom, dad, husband, wife, executive. It is not about that. It is about the position that I am created to do in the earth. That is success to me. Yeah, me too. I believe that everything God is looking to do in the earth, he's going to do through people. Sure. I also believe this principle that I've heard explained before that when God is trying to get a blessing through, it's going to come through someone. And yeah. just like water flow flowing through a pipe gets wet, when the blessing is flowing through you, you're going to get blessed too. And so when you position yourself, like you said, to align with what your purpose is, to align with who God has created you to be in the assignment he has on your life, then you position yourself to not only be a blessing, but to get a blessing. And I think that that is the categoric difference between those who try to make something happen and those who are available to allow it to happen through them. And so I, I agree with how you've outlined it because it had nothing to do with what 
many in society think is, oh, John got a big house. Oh, John got a nice car. You didn't describe it as that at all. You described it as I'm on my J-O-B, my assignment that has been given to me and that illuminates success. Now I want to go deeper on the winning mindset. Tell us about this. And do you think it's a difference between men and women when it comes to winning? I do. Um, the un- one of the underlying factors of winning is risk taking. And I think that generically, in general, um, boys are taught to take more risks than girls. Now, that's generally, I've known some women, I know some women who have girls who, like, they go hard and they manufacture strong, resilient human beings and not human beings that will step back from risk, but that will attack risks. So my job is to take risks. My job is to to flourish in imperfect situations. My job is to become a great area master. That, That being that great area master is probably one of the, maybe if not the number one factor for a great leader, to be able to manage and be successful in imperfect situations and and life is imperfect and so that's what we're solving for to try to 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 be that gray area master and to learn how to survive and thrive in fires chaos and storms because they're going to come and if you are gifted if you are talented if you are on purpose if you are in a calling you're never going to be sent to calm places. You're never going to be sent to calm waters. You're never going to be sent to non-chaotic situations. That's where you're going. You are what Adam Grant would call in his book, a fire jumper. You are meant to go to the fire and to fight the fires. Get used to it. It's that gray area mastery that we are after. Oh my gosh. One of the things that I can hear is the astuteness of your preparation. And I know that leaders must begin their journey and must sustain their journey by learning, by being willing to stay a life learner. How key do you think that is to the winning mindset as well? It is absolutely key. And let me just say something tangential to answer your original question, Denise, the winning mindset, I just am so firmly rooted in, if I stay doing what God has me to do, there's no one else that can stop me. And that's not an arrogant statement. It is not a a puffed up statement. I just know it to be fact, no matter what I go through, if I stick to what the plan is, no one can stop me. And that is tangential to having the winning mindset. And I have to believe, and faith is another part of of understanding the winning mindset. I have to believe in the things that I cannot see. I have to be able to envision around corners. And when I adopt that philosophy, I am wrapped up in winning. And I have to believe that God created me to win. God created you to win. It starts with some unseating, some things that were taught to me that were false and believing that I was created in this manner. It is spiritual. It is earthly all at the same time that I'm trying to communicate to you that you were built in this way. And if you, if trauma 
trauma gets in the way of us seeing that we are created as winners. Now, I don't know if I answered your question totally, but those are some of the things that I just felt, you know, inclined to communicate to you and the audience that, you know, you were built to win and you were designed to win. If you look at yourself in the full circle, in the mirror, clearly you will see that. And you look at the evidence of your life, you will see that you were created to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trauma is that thing that's happening to try to distort or disrupt the purpose that you were created to birth and our resiliency to overcome it. Not that it's easy, not that it's a cakewalk. I know for myself, one of the things that I had to continue to nurture was this whole perspective that what happened to me did not ruin me. And we got to contend with trauma because the unfortunate thing is trauma could raise itself in something that seems really small to yeah. something that is really big. Real it can have a lasting impact that causes us to shut down and not pursue. Therefore, we are not aligned in accomplishing the thing that we're created for. But what you tapped into there is that my purpose is greater than my trauma. My purpose is greater than what happened to me. And the one who created me will allow me to navigate through it, to persevere, and to get over in a healed fashion and allow it to not be something to disrupt but to enhance because the testimony is now going to be greater right the testimony is now going to be one that other people who had traumatic experiences can relate to the winning mindset for me is a choice and decision that I will persevere, that I'm not going to let this current episode stop me. And I love that you bring out that we as leaders, we as solution architects, we as people who are designed to be the answer are going to be sent to the confusion. We are going to be sent to the chaos. And I love that you called that out because oftentimes we have this misguided perspective that we're supposed to have a cakewalk and that it's supposed to be easy. We're not Um, doing it right. Nope. (laughs) We're not doing it right. I love that. I love that call out because if we're there to solve problems, guess what we're going to run into? A problem. Exactly. And, And I have to realize that with every problem I'm brought to, I have something in my toolbox to address that, or I have help to address it because I've also, in addition to my toolbox over the thousands and thousands of days that I've lived, I've also acquired relationships and seen other superheroes that I'm supposed to partner with and collaborate with to address the problem. So it's not all on me. There's something that the military espouses and teaches called convergent leadership. And that convergent leadership is bringing different forces together to address the enemy. The same is true with the kingdom work that we do and the earthly work and the community work and the commercial work and the corporate work that we do. We are supposed to combine our superpowers and our talents with the next superhero so that we can address the problems of this world. But we think so much that the the problem is on us and that 
we can't ask for help and we get taught to just do it on your own, just go it on your own and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps when no one gets anywhere alone. You don't even get into the earth alone and you don't die alone. So why would you think in the, in the dash, in the middle that you were supposed to be alone? Pull upon your help. It's in your toolbox and it's in the people that have met you and that, uh, that have adopted you and that you have adopted as well biggest lie of the enemy is that we are alone in fact you know it was interesting to me because now once you begin serving and working in a different capacity revelation from so many things can happen but I was watching something where the punishment was isolation when they are looking to punish a prisoner, when they are looking to punish an inmate, they put them in isolation, which means that there is a clear understanding that we are supposed to have community. We are supposed to be surrounded with connections. And you're right. I had to war against that mindset. I had to war against that perspective of I'll go it alone. That definitely is a trauma response. I'll go it alone. I'll do it on my own. I don't want to ask for help. I will tell you the last three years of my life have accelerated at such a pace, not because help was something new. It just was something I was willing to accept. Help was always present. I just refuse to be open to accepting it and receiving it and looking for it. And what has translated to accelerate things for me is recognizing what you said. I am created for connection. I am created for collaboration. I am created to be in partnership. And partnership will always accelerate progress. Strategic relationships will accelerate success. And so the sooner we can get rid of this whole notion and stop being prisoners of of cages we create for ourselves by refusing the help that is invaluable to our future, the more we will accelerate the success that we desire. So I think that point is just, I I know I'm a testimony to it from my own life is everything changed for me when I was willing to be available and receptive to help. Oh my gosh, I am a, I'm so glad that I shut up and listened to you because the number one word that you were preaching while you were just teaching was availability. And I have to be available for the help. I also have to be available for the healing. I also have to be available to accept who I really am and my identity. And when I refuse to accept those things, I am blind to every tool every person that is sent my way to help my mission, to help my gifting, to help my audience, to help the people that I'm supposed to help. And that's not the life that we are supposed to live. And one other thing that you said that was really key, you called it testimony and I call it narrative. And so many times we fail a job interview or a promotion interview because we don't understand how to communicate our narrative. And we think, especially from some of our communities, that talking about ourselves is the wrong thing to do. You have to learn how to communicate your narrative and what's happened in your past so that you can help people understand that you are the solution to their need. That's why need is so 
imperative to understand because you got to understand how your gifting, your past matches the future and someone else's vision. That's how we connect. So John, as you were talking, I had a, a, a memory rush in that confirms everything you said. So I, I can remember a few years ago, God has set up this opportunity for me, right? And I went in to do the interview at the company. Yeah, I met with the entire C-suite, right? I met with the COO, the CFO, the CEO. Sitting across from the CEO, he did exactly what you said for me. I didn't frame it up, but I have never forgotten how he told my story. This is what he yeah. said. He looked at me sitting across the table from him and said, you have a career where you have done some phenomenal things. He goes on to say, I want you to join my team so that you can help revolutionize this industry, right? I've never forgot it because he saw something in me that I didn't have the courage to articulate myself. He said to me that I had it within me to revolutionize an industry. And so when you start talking about us having the willingness to tell our story, oftentimes there's greatness in us that we don't even have the mouthpiece to share. And we got to get past that. That's right. See, we we got to get past that. When he said that to me, it made me sit up in my seat and he he's telling me about me. And I was like, wow, he saw something innately powerful in the solutions that I could bring to the table for that organization that came to pass. Denise. I was talking with a leader yesterday and she was talking about the coaching that she had received, you know, a few years ago. And one coach helped her by saying this, be willing to look at the truths about yourself. And, and it's a small statement, but when you compare the truths against all the lies that you believe about yourself, I'm not enough, I'm not equipped, I'm damaged. I'm always going to be unhealed. Nobody wants me. I'm never going to get that job I asked for. Never going to get the pay that I asked for. Never going to meet the people that I need to meet. Never going to get into the boardroom where I can make a whole bunch of change. Never going to have the resources that I have. I named those 10 things in just 20 seconds. Now imagine that, that tape on replay and how it can destroy a human being and a spirit. You don't just die from that. You become part of the walking dead. And that should not be an acceptable existence to, to who we are. So you have to discover the truths about yourself. That means that you have to be willing to look at something different than what you were taught and be willing to unlearn those things that you were taught and replace them with actual truths. And the moment that we're willing to do that is the moment that we can simply push the door to the prison open because it's not been locked. You've just been stagnant. You've just been stuck. You could push the door to, of the prison open and walk out and be free. That's my job for every leader that I come across. Wow. And on that note, we I'm going to close this out because we could go all day. I am going to purpose in my heart to make sure I bring you back because um, I just really feel like 
there is so much more. I started off talking about it's the deep well of wisdom. Um, there is so much more that needs to be elevated and shared from your voice. And so I'm definitely going to bring you out. So he, around these parts, I talked about how we are all about building the life that we love. I love to tap into wisdom. We've already been rolling there, but here's my closeout questions. When you look at your life, What's your life wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about life if you could? What I would tell my younger me, and I've said it, you know, a few times during um, during our talk, during our exchange, really, is that um, do it afraid. Do it afraid. You're going to you're going to have some fear. It's inevitable. We are feeling creatures. We are emotional creatures. Do it afraid and realize that you've overcome and use that as the platform to leap. Your overcoming is the springboard. Faith is the net. Use those things to your advantage and believe in them and leap and jump based on that. So powerful. Love wisdom. What would you tell your younger self about love if you could? It's the most powerful force on the earth. It, it, um, it helps people accept and enjoy and appreciate your vulnerabilities. It, co- it covers a multitude of sins. And so love helps you heal and helps you forgive. And when you can do that, then you cannot be hampered by the past. And you can take those things that happened to you and know that they happened for you. So love is important to that. Oh my gosh. Um, And that is two weeks before I started Cardinal Health. Love is the philosophy that I believe that God told me to spread. So just this week, I have been launching love to leaders in my workplace. Love meaning leadership, ownership, value, and evolution. But I've been telling leaders to spread love, spread love. Wow, that's powerful. Give us the four again. Leadership, ownership, value, meaning knowing your value and evolution. Oh my God. That, that acronym that you have is, is powerful. It changes the game, especially for a leader. And again, the context that you teach leadership, yes, it has a corporate bias, but it has a life bias. We are leaders in our lives. And those four nuggets are game changers when you can embrace them. I love it. I love it. Happiness wisdom. Tell us what you would tell your younger self about happiness, if you could. Happiness is temporary. I'm looking for joy and you're looking for joy and you're looking for joy that's on the inside. And when it's on the inside, you glow differently. You connect differently. You show up differently. You show up as light. And so, yes, it is important to be happy and to, to recover and to you know, acquire some of the things that make you happy but you're looking for that joy, which surpasses any temporary moment and which helps you deal with the valley moments and the peak moments. It's joy that you're after. That's so phenomenal. You know, John, I could go on and on about the powerhouse person that you are. And while you are doing such an incredible work in the workplace and in the community, Um, And especially in the lives of those you serve, 
I marvel at who you are as a dad, as a husband. I marvel at who you are for your family. It radiates in the smiles. It radiates in uh, just watching it from afar. And I want you to know it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And I know you don't get there without having done some real mirror work, as you call it. Um, it was worth it. Whatever it, whatever it took for you Thank to you. get to where you are, it was worth it. And I just want to close out by saying success looks so good on you. Thank, Thank you, you for your example. Thank you. And I know I'm going to have you back. So I'll just say, see you soon. See you and later. Um, we should close out before I always forget this because I get so excited. Tell everybody how to get in touch with you, how they can get connected if you're uh, available that way. Sure. So John Haynes III on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook as well. And, you know, because I know that um, it's unfortunate that I give out my number and some people just won't use it when they need it. But if you need me, just text 240-463-8853, 240-463-8853. So you can reach me at any time. Don't delay. Do not hesitate. Do not procrastinate. I'm waiting for you because other people are waiting for you. That's so good. Thank you again, John. Thank you, Denise. Appreciate you so much. Well, that's it, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. Don't ever forget that you are truly blessed with life, love, and all the happiness your heart can hold. Be relentless in building a life you love without apology. I'm Denise Taylor, and you can always find me in our free Facebook community. It's Embrace Your Power easy to find. Now be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with a friend and make sure you subscribe so that we can stay connected each week. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He gave us power. So be sure to always embrace your power and go.